This is episode number 99 of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this episode, we have Sherman Johnson and Joe Hudson. I'm going to have a hitting roundtable talk. Both of these players made their major league debut last season um, with the Angels. And they talk about kind of some of the changes that, that they made last year versus the years before. Um, last year for both of them was a really, really uh, successful season. Um, we talk a lot about Donnie Ecker and how he played a huge role in their development. Um, he's now the hitting coach, assistant hitting coach for the Reds, but was with uh, both of these both of these guys last year with the Angels and just talked about different training environments, um, routines, uh, best ways that they've learned that they need to train. And it's just uh, it's a great episode because again, when you see someone who, you know, kind of you know fails at certain levels and then gets a little bit better and then really explodes and, and, and makes the ultimate dream of becoming a Major League Baseball player come true. Um, it's pretty inspiring and you want to get to know you know how they made that happen. So um, great episode right here. I really appreciate um, both of these guys coming on and uh, without further ado, here we go. All right, and we are now live with Sherman Johnson and Joe Hudson. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, if maybe one of you, both of you guys could just give a little brief background to all of the listeners, uh, that'd be awesome. Whoever wants to start can go first. Start off, Sherman. Oh, okay. All right, I'll start. Um, Sherman Johnson, I'm from Tampa, Florida. Um, I went to Florida State. I was drafted as a senior sign in the 14th round. And... Uh, was with the Angels ever since, and uh, recently just got called up for the first time and, and played uh, the end of September up there. Gotcha. And uh, my road's a little different than Sean's. Um, it starts very similarly in the city of Tampa, Florida. I'm also from Tampa. Um, and I went to the University of Notre Dame, small little school in Indiana. And um, I got drafted in the sixth round after three years of college um, by the Cincinnati Reds and then um, played with them for five years until I got traded over to the Angels this year in the middle of the season um, and then made my major league debut with them when I got called up in September. Um, and then this offseason recently uh, signed with the St. Louis Cardinals, so I'll be with them for the upcoming season. Awesome. Now, Sherman, are you? I know you you played some winter ball. Are you? Have you played in Mexico this past season? Yeah, I was in Mexico for like a month and a half. So right right after Thanksgiving, I came back, um, and it was a blast. Uh, definitely great to uh, just see a different culture, um, different brand, different style of baseball. Um, but I think it was good for my career for sure. Yeah, I've heard some interesting stories down there um, about. I've heard that the competition though is is pretty similar to like high level, like uh, maybe like double A. Is that would that be accurate for in the Mexican league? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously you've got some guys that have played in the big leagues that are playing over there. Um, the the talent wise, I didn't see really much of a difference. Um, obviously, it's not the big leagues, um, but it's just the the length of the games is just. It's definitely a show over there. Um, um, it's important. Every game matters. Everybody wants to win. Um, so it's a good atmosphere, for sure. 
So both of you guys were with the Angels last year. I know both worked with with Donnie. Um, you know, he was the hitting coach. He's now with with the Reds, which I'm happy about because I'm in Cincinnati and a Reds fan. Um, what were some of the changes, or was there any changes that both of you guys made during the season last year? I'll take this one, sure. Uh, Joey, um, go first. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, the Reds definitely got their guy uh, with Donnie. Um, so when I got traded over from Cincinnati to the Angels, um, Donnie introduced himself to me and um, kind of like gave me a real quick spiel of what he was all about. And um, and I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. Uh, that's that's really cool. Um, but, you know, I'm going to do my thing for a little bit. Um, and he, he told me, he's like, you know, I'm going to give you about 10 or 15 at-bats and then, you know, you can come talk to me. And uh, I kind of came from Cincinnati, and I had a little bit of an old-school approach, um, some old-school coaches over there that they were mostly just, you know, about competing and grinding out at bats and, and handling the bat and, 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 and just basically keeping it real simple. And then I get traded over to the Angels, and I, and I get introduced to Donnie, and, and that was changed uh, completely. Um, so I sucked for about 10 or 15 at-bats that Donnie <laughs> told me that he would give me. Um, and then I went and talked to him and I gave him my trust and um, he kind of gave me the tools that I needed and he made me more self-aware of kind of how my body moved and, um, and just how to be as efficient as possible with those movements. And um, it kind of opened my eyes to this whole new style and whole new uh, way of hitting and everything else uh, took off from there. And I'm really grateful that Donnie introduced myself to that. Awesome. That was awesome. Sherman, what about you? Anything different you made during the season last year? Same. Uh, I met uh, kind of the end of spring training. Um, he was up in big league camp. I wasn't. So I kind of met him end of spring training. Um, we're on a backfield one day, and he introduced me. He's like, hey, I'm Donnie Ecker. Um, on my field, uh, these are the rounds. And I'm expecting, I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. What are the rounds? Like, first round's oppo, next round, you know, hit and run, stay up the middle. Um, and he goes, no. And I was like, okay, well, that's different. I mean, he goes, the rounds are hit the ball as far as you can, as far as you can. Every pitch, that's the round. And I was like, huh? like how? I've never heard any coach say that. Like, well, I'm trying to hit home. Like, I've never heard anybody say that. Um, so I went through that. Didn't hit any home miss. <laughs> um, so fast forward, we go to um, Salt Lake, which is AAA. And I'm talking to Donnie. I'm like, Donnie, when are we going to work, man? Like, we, we need to work. I don't know anything about you, but I, I, I want to work. And he's kind of like standoffish with me. Um, we didn't work the first couple of days. And, and finally, we were in the gym one day. And I was like, Donnie, we need to work. Like, we need to work now. And he's like, you want to work? Let's go right now. And it was after practice. It was just me and him. Um, and we get to the gym, and we start doing some stuff in the mirror, some, some turn stuff, some, some posture stuff. And this was stuff that I had never been exposed to. I, didn't, I didn't, didn't know the lingo. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how my body moved. I didn't even know you were supposed to use your body. I thought you were just hands everything, you know. <laughs> um, so after that, we, we worked um, after that session. And, like, I could already feel like, I was tired. I'd never really been tired from hitting. I was tired um, after VP. And I was like, what, what is going on? Um, so the next day, we're still working. I'm starting to like get some of the movements. Um, and we're in VP one day on the field, like the day before uh, game start. And I click a ball that I've never clicked before. 
And I kind of looked back at him, and he was just looking at me, and I was like, is that what it's supposed to feel like? And he was like, yeah, that one looked pretty good. And I was like, okay. So we, we go into the season, and um, I went on, like, a, a ridiculous tear for the first, like, 15 at-bats, something I'd never done before. I didn't have a single in my first 15 at-bats. So I had all extra base hits, homers, doubles, triples. And I was kind of like, this is, like, sick. It kind of made me mad. I was like, what if I could have been doing this earlier in my career? What if, what if I knew this earlier? And I, I think the guys that get to work with Donnie are, are going to be very lucky. Um, he understands how the body moves. He understands all the movements. But he also understands uh, the human side of it. He understands how to communicate that. Um, and he played, so he understands uh, the game. So it's he's definitely a one of a kind guy, um, and I like Joe. I'm very uh, blessed, and, and I feel privileged I've met him. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome from both you guys. Um, really, really high praise for Donnie there. Um, I guess one of the things that that, that I I kind of see with with high school players these days, and even some college guys, is is just having a routine, maybe. So, like, I'm just kind of curious for both of you guys. What would a typical like in in season like routine be like as a as a hitter like warming up in the cages? Uh yeah. So Jeff. for me, it was um, I I went to the weight room first. Um, I got my body um, activated, and I did some specific um, you know lifting exercises that were specific for me um, for my swing. Um, for me, it was, you know, glute activation and, and, and core stability and, like, getting into my back rear scap. Um, things like that in the weight room would help me with my swing. So every day, I'd I, I first I'd go to the weight room um, and knock out about, you know, 15, 20 minutes of exercises, and then I was able to hit. I was, I was ready to hit. Um, but for me, it was, it was more of just, like, having a purpose once you're in the cages. Um, and I see – a lot of kids at the facility here in Tampa that I work out at, you know, some of these kids work really hard. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say they don't, but I do think that there's not a real purpose to what they're doing. They're just going in there mindlessly swinging off a key or taking flips or hitting off a machine or whatever with really no purpose or drive to what they're doing. And, and I see some kids in there hitting for two hours. I don't think I've ever hit for two hours straight over the last few years. I mean, you get in, you get out and you know what you're doing. You have a purpose to what you're doing. And once you feel what once you feel what you want to feel, then leave, get out. Know, know that you've accomplished what you want to accomplish for that day. Awesome. Sherman, what about you? Much of the same. Uh, I start in the gym as well. Um, my exercises are obviously a little different than Joe's. Um, I've, I've worked with the PVC pipe a lot because that's just something that I've had to have to retrain, I guess, for myself and, and feel. Uh, and I need that. I need that feel every day. Um, but I'm definitely in, in the gym before I get to the cage. Um, definitely on the foam mower before I get to the cage. Um, and then when I get in there, it's, it's time to work. I don't really do much tee work anymore. I used to be really big on the tee and make sure you can hit the high pitch and not try to swing down but get on top. And I, I don't really work on that anymore without going too far into it. Um, but definitely uh, the gym is, is – a big place where, where the warm-up happens. I've, I've seen many guys get kicked out of the cage for for not being in the gym and, and having your body activated first. 
What uh, what do you guys think about hitting off pitching machines? Is that are you both a fan of that, or do you just try to just do like straight just live BP from a coach? Sam's laughing. Uh, I know what he's going to say, but BP machine is is a challenge, and a lot of guys don't like it because it's hard, right? It's hard to time up. You know, oh, it's too fast, too slow. It's not consistent. Um, well, that's the point. You know, um. Donnie would always say, you know, solve the puzzle, right, Sean? Um, and yeah. he basically would just tell you, figure it out. You know, what, what's going to happen in the game? Is the pitcher just going to lay 90 in there every single time right down the middle of seam? Absolutely not. He's going to try and get you out. And so, so that's the mindset that, like, I was kind of, um, you know, I kind of adopted over the season with Donnie. Um, and I know that I came from Cincinnati and I came from um, a, a different mindset. It was, it was, you know, feel comfortable, um, you know, but, but, you know, and we stayed away from the machine, but I, I, I love the machine. Now you set it on any type of pitch, curveball, slider, change up sinker, whatever it is. Um, and you just figure it out. And I love it now. Awesome. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah. No, Donnie was saying back when he played actually that, uh, his former coach was obsessed with the machine and, and how he's seen like, you know, really, really high level players, like go right from the machine, right out on the field to the game right away. So that's interesting. Sherman, do you hit off the machine in the off season at all? Um, so much like Joe, I used to never really hit the machine. Um, BP for me used to be, let me hit some barrels. Let me feel good about myself. Um, and that really changed this year. Um, like Joe said, machine's hard. Um, not even it, it's really fast, yeah, but it's not going to be straight every pitch. Um, so if you have, it's, if your turn's not tight, if you're not moving your body how it's supposed to be moving, um, machine's going to be pretty difficult for you, and that probably explains explains why I hated it so much. Um, but I, I think machine's very important. I this year I hit it off the machine every day. I, I obviously love it now. Um, and I understand it. I understand it's going to be a challenge. I understand that batting practice is not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be challenging. Um, I, I I used to think you just need to feel good for the game, um, but you can't. I mean, you got Chris Sale on the mound nowadays, and you're not gonna. It's not gonna be easy when you get in the box. So if you if you're practicing hard, you're gonna have a better chance um, against the elite pitchers nowadays, and that's just how it's gonna go. Um, and I think the more that you hit it the more that you get comfortable failing that's because you're going to fail in there. Um, I think there can be some growth. Do you think that, um, like before the game, when you're talking about hitting on a, hitting off a machine, do you think that there's going to be a point in the game where like, there's really no more live BP or there's like, there's not a coach throwing BP. It's just, they're just going to hire former pitchers or college pro pitchers just to come out, come out in the mound and throw live before a game? Wow. Um, that is definitely interesting. Um, I, th- I think I don't see why not. I don't see why the game wouldn't go there. Um, I, I, I do think that regular just BP is outdated. Um, obviously, there's still guys probably in the game that just want to feel good. Um, but Joe can probably tell you this too. I mean, I, I, if there's a pitcher that wanted to come out early before the game and, and throw to us, so we could, I'd, now, this year, yes, I would love to see that. <laughs> because it's, it's, I, came, I came from the machine pregame 
this year anyway. It was like machine to the game. And I was, it, and that's just what you got used to. Um, I think a lot of pitchers throwing all of his pitches would be awesome before a game. Yeah, to I kind of piggyback off of what Sherm just said, to kind of go off of what Sherm just said, there was a, a stretch, and I'm proud to say this, that of like a month, almost a month and a half of baseball during the end of the season last year, where I did not take BP on the field one time. Whoa. It was cage work, machine, cage work, machine, game. And that was some of the best hitting I've ever had in my career. Um, so I think it's easy to say that because I had the success but um, hitting on the field, I, I found it this year to be extremely overrated. You know, you got a guy flipping balls in there 40 miles an hour from, from 40, 50 feet. Um, that, there's some value there to an extent, but, you know, what is the game going to really be like when 7 o'clock hits, right? Um, so I constantly challenge myself with the help of Donnie, um, to, you know, get in a cage, be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Um, and that kind of allowed for what, like what Sherm said, just a ton of growth right there. And once the game hit, um, I felt comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, I got a guy up there throwing 92 miles an hour cutters. Well, guess what? What did I just face in the cage today? Mm. 92 miles an hour cutter. You know what I mean? Something close, something firm with a little cut. So I was ready. And so BP on the field, in my opinion, overrated. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting take, and it's I think it's definitely where the, where the game is going for sure. Um, switching gears a little bit, I'm just kind of I'd like to talk a little bit about kind of this mentality, just because so many kids um, these days, you know, are just up and coming players. I should just say it's it's such a tough game. I'm sure both of you guys can attest to that more than me. But just keeping your confidence um, high throughout the season, through the ups and the downs, is there anything that that uh, both of you guys kind of like go back to when you start failing to remind yourself that yeah, you're a good hitter or just any tips for um, any of the players out there? Uh, I'll go ahead with this one, Sherm. Um, so for me, one, the first thing I think about is for a guy to keep his confidence high is you have to be surrounded by the right people. I think your teammates play an immense role with that confidence level you got to have guys that can pick you up and, and, and talk to you one-on-one on the side. And I know Sam was that guy for me this year. Uh, we had a couple of those guys in Salt Lake that, you know, if something wasn't feeling right, I knew I had a teammate to go to to talk through that stuff. I never had to go straight to Donnie or another coach. I had teammates to, to um, you know, relate to. Um, so that's, for me, one of the most important things. Um, but on a personal level, um, you know, I – was never really big in the video until this year. Um, you look at your good swings. Forget your bad swings. You don't want to look at your bad swings. I, for me, I take all my good swings, my homers, my, my backside doubles, I mean, and things like that. Um, you keep them in your phone, and you look at it, and you reference it every other, every other day. Um, when something's not feeling right, or you just want to like get that memory um, you know, activated or whatever you want to say, um, that was something I referenced on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I think that's huge for keeping confidence up. Sherman, what do you what do you do for to keep yourself? Um, I guess maybe I, I know they always say like never too high or too low, but just kind of even keeled throughout the season. Yeah, I, I do believe that uh, you should be even keeled, but I I would have to agree with Joe. Um, and this goes back to to what 
Sonny did, which was amazing because of his first year um, in the organization, but he created a culture of what we did as a, as, as hitters, as, as a team, we was just, we were just, I don't know. It wasn't, we, it wasn't everybody going up there trying to hit home runs, but everybody went up there trying to do damage one through nine, everybody's trying to do damage. And it was this culture of, even if we weren't getting hits, we, we knew that everybody could was capable of doing damage and doing it in a hurry. So there wasn't really any panic. Even if we went a couple of games without scoring runs, we knew, okay, this guy can leave the yard. This guy can leave the yard. So it just rolled. So if you're struggling, you go to another guy that bought in, like Joe said. And we had a bunch of those guys that we could go to and talk to and, hey, what do you see? Like Donnie kind of not taught us, but we had we were coaches. We were hitting coaches. So I was talking to Joe. Joe would come right. up to me, hey, what you're doing. Hey, we're in the cage talking, hey, um, not a, uh, your turn wasn't tight. You leaked or whatever it is. And Donnie really just kind of sat back and, and watched. And he was like, hmm. and then if we had a question, obviously he would answer it or obviously he would tell us what he saw. Um, but it was, I think it was just much more of a, a, of a culture thing to where the, the confidence was just so high from everybody that stepped in the box. What do you what do you guys both think? I know that this may be taboo in this day and age, but what do you guys think about bunting? Um, I'm, put it simply, I'm I'm out on bunting. Okay. I'm out on it. Um, it's just I, I don't really I can't really I, I understand it. Okay, um, but nowadays you got it's hard to bunt. Um, 98 was sink. Okay. It's hard enough to bunt that. Um, but I don't know, man, when you got guys nowadays, you got guys one through nine who can leave the yard. Um, and I understand there's, there's the drawbacks to that as well. The game is seeing a lot more strikeouts. Um, okay. Well, if you bunt, you give up an out, If the game is seeing more strikeouts, you know, so you're just giving them an out. I mean, so, I don't know. I, I can see there's a time and place for it, and I know there's some managers out there who are still on that, but um, if a coach gives me the bunt sign, I'm going to get it down, but I'm not going to be happy running the first base while the guy <laughs> catches. You know what I'm saying? Um, what about drag bunting? Is that something that, you know, if you're struggling, that maybe you might pull out? I, I run an 60, so I've never had that in my arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you meant sacrifice, like moving a guy over, or you meant drag bunting. Yeah, I would um, say I would say more so drag bunting more than anything. Drag bunting. Um, drag, so what effect are you trying to, like, shorten up the defense? Are you really just trying to get on base? Like, yeah, I would say say more so just get on base. I mean, like, I've been in a slump before, and, and, and I guess for, for me, I've been up there just thinking about so many different things, and – and mine racing everywhere, and just if I just said, "Hey, you have no choice but to drag bunt," it just kind of cleared my mind. And if I got it down, you know, and got a hit, it helped me for the next at bat. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Joe. I'm, I'm probably not drag bunt anymore. Um, 
I, I, I get it for, for guys that can, like, really, really run, like Dave Hamilton and, and D. Gordon. Yeah, I, I mean, I get that. You get on base, you steal two, two bags because they're just that fast, and, and they score a run. Um, but then you have these teams like the Astros in Boston, and they, they come up the next half inning, and they hit a three-run homer. Um, so now you're down three to one. Um, I don't know about the drag button. Um, <laughs> personally, I, I – What about the beat the shift? Shift beater, Sherm. I mean, every once in a – yeah, I mean, shift beater, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, every now and then. But then, again, you come up and it's a three-run homer when you're playing against Houston. Um, so, uh, or like Mike Trout. He can really run, but I don't I don't really want Mike Trout drag bunting. Just me personally. I'd rather hit the ball 500 feet. Uh, n- new, new type of question here. I got this question. Uh, someone sent this in online. They want to know if do you guys have any like any fun minor league stories to share. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't really. Have I don't know, man. Either. They all kind of blend together. I mean, it, for me, it's some of these you can't really share on the air, but um, <laughs> I, when I look back on some of like the best times, it was, um, you know, going to a new city with a group of guys that you call your brothers, right. And, you know, you're going out and you're exploring the city. And this year in, in Salt Lake, I actually, uh, we, you know, we, we got to play in Vegas. So, so going out on the strip and just hanging out with the boys and, and kind of walking up and down the streets, that was, that was, that was awesome. You know, and, and you're out there with your friends and you're telling stories and, and you're just hanging out being dudes. So, for me, like, there's not really one particular story out there that I'm going to, like, look back on and be like, yep, that's the story. Like, that's the one I tell everyone. Um, it's the culmination of, uh, like, all of the times that, you know, you're with your guys and you're on the bus and you're just sitting there and, and, you're, and you're telling stories and you're having a good time and you're cherishing those memories and moments with those guys. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean – I I would agree with that. Uh, I don't really think there's any. I, at least me, or I haven't been through any really crazy stories. Um, but like Joe said, I mean, it, it's kind of a fraternity, uh, minor league baseball, and baseball just all the way up to the big leagues. I mean, guys know other guys. You hear of names, and, and you meet other people. Um, and guys that you've played with, played against, I mean, these are guys that you're going to be friends with for a lifetime. I mean, just how many weddings are in the off season where you see just baseball players going to other guys' wedding, oh, you're coming to my wedding, and that's, and that's just how it is. So it, it, it's fun. It's, it's a great time. It's, the traveling's awesome. Um, I to the babies, I guess, because those bus rides and, and the, the mornings and triple A's aren't, aren't fun. But um, the time with the guys um, is awesome. Yeah, you, you just brought up the traveling part, and a lot of people here who have never played um, hear how bad the travel is, being on those buses all the time and, and things like that. Is it as bad as everyone says it is? I would say it gets better as you move up levels. Um, so my first stop, I was in the Pioneer League, um, those, some of those bus rides are 12. And that's kind of culture shock coming from, from college. I mean, you're going through all these small towns. Um, but you get used to it. Um, and then low A, much of the same. Um, the Midwest, some of these bus rides are pretty long. Um, so those are, those are tough. Um, 
and it's not like you have an off day um, most of the time for those bus rides. I mean, you get on a bus ride, you go through the night, you try to get some sleep for the game that night when you get in. Um, so, yeah, the, the bus rides are, are, are tough. Um, you learn how to grind it out. Coffee becomes a friend, for sure. <laughs> um, but it, I, I think it gets better as you move up. I got a little something for people who are listening if they want a little bit of insight. Um, so I've got some like minor back problems when I travel for like longer than four hours, you know, I, my lower back kind of just stiffens up and it's nothing that I can't take care of when I get off the bus, I stretch it out and I'm good to go. Um, but I've, I've kind of adjusted to the travel life. Um, I bring, when I was in a ball, I went out, I went to like Walmart and I bought um, a pool raft, you inflate it. And I put it in the aisle of the bus. Now everyone's pissed at me because they're stepping over me, um, you know, trying to go to the bathroom at the back of the bus. And, and I've been stepped on hundreds of times, but it was just something that I had to, to, to get over and overcome on these long bus trips. So I literally went to Walmart. I inflated up this like pool raft and I laid on it like, you know, coffin style. And I was able to fall asleep and my back was fine. I got, I'd get up, I, you know, we'd get in at three or four in the morning and, and play the next day. But that's just, I'm not the only one that's ever done that. I know Sherm's played with tons of guys who've kind of done the same thing, but you just have to find a way to make it work because there's no, there's no way around it. You know, the, the travel is inevitable and it's unavoidable and it's just something that, you know, players have to just get used to. Love the advice from, uh, from both of you guys on that. Um, one last question just from both of you. Um, if you could answer this, this one last question, what advice would you give to, um, to an up and coming player? Oh man, um, I don't know. They have a lot more data and info um, than than we were than we were given um, when I was coming up. Um, they should know about launch angle and exit velo and and all of this stuff that they can measure. Uh, they can get on a K vest now. Like they have all these guys to work with, and then as I think I think hitting is is just blossoming. I think it's awesome for these kids that they get to grow up and, and see how their body is moving. Um, when I was growing up, it wasn't any of that. It was pretty much, you know, like hit the ball hard. And, and if you didn't hit the ball hard, well, yeah, swing down or swing up or whatever it is, there wasn't any actual data that I could see and be like, okay, this is, this is what I need to fix. This is what I need to repattern. Um, so there wasn't any of that. Um, the advice I would give them is, is use the data. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, why wouldn't you um, want to? Uh, these guys are changing the game. All these driveline guys are all – this is it's awesome. I mean, you get the data right in there. You get to see what you're doing. You get to see how your body's moving. You get to see how you can get better. You don't have to guess about it. It's there for you. Um, so that's the advice I would give. Yeah, 100% agree with Sherm there. I mean, why wouldn't you use it? It's there. It's in front of you. Um, and to kind of – take you back off that as well but not only use it but like know what you're using it for have a purpose to what you're looking at and know what you're looking at um you know you got all these numbers in front of you but 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 ask the question why why am i looking at certain things and what data is going to help me with my particular swing or whatever i'm trying to accomplish so there's there's that side of things that i would tell young players now but then there's the other side of the coin that i would say um as cliche as it is but i mean I would always tell these kids to just keep believing in yourselves, like ignorantly believe in yourself. You know, I, I played five years with the Reds and I was a 210, 220 minor league hitter. 
but there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't tell myself, you know what, I'm a big leaguer and it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. You know, I would tell everybody that right there. You know, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. I'm a big leaguer. It's just a matter of time. And I, I sucked for five years. I was, I was awful. I was a terrible, terrible hitter. I was always decent behind the plate, you know, calling a game, managing the staff and, and perfecting that craft. But I couldn't hit it. And, but it didn't matter to me. I, I just, so I would tell kids, you know, just like ignorantly believe in yourself because you just never know what's going to click, when it's going to click. You can make your big league debut at 27 like I did. You can make it at 32. You can make it at 21 or it doesn't matter. Just like just ignorantly believe in yourself. And uh, I think that goes a long way. Wow, that's that's powerful right there. That's awesome. Uh, thanks so much to both of you guys for coming on today. Um, this was this was a blast. I had a ton of fun. And I know this is going to add just a ton of value um, to like everyone who's, who's going to be listening to this. So I just I really appreciate it from both of you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.